0: Good Sunday morning to everyone. Welcome to our service. Thank you for joining us wherever in the globe you may be tuning in. This Sunday, we continue our look at parables from the book of Matthew. And I have the privilege of sharing from Matthew 25 this morning, the sheep and the goats. What I want to be able to do, however, is give us some context. Uh, for the setting of this particular parable so that we could understand that it really comes in the middle of one of five major speeches that Jesus gave in the book of Matthew. Uh, This morning's lesson also will serve as our communion reflection this morning. Please bow with me wherever you are as we say a brief prayer to prepare our hearts for what is to come. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks as we consider your majesty, your glory and your perfection. Still our hearts as we receive your word. Help me to be faithful to you as together we seek to remember Jesus. This is, it is in his name that we pray, amen. So as we look at the sheep and the goats, it really is coming at the, the tail end of an extended speech from Jesus, which begins in Matthew 24. And I want to start there for us to be able to see the backdrop of the setting of the story of the sheep and the goats, which in in fact, in some translations, you know, it's, it's actually entitled The Final Judgment. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Matthew 24 in verse 1, it says, As Jesus came out of the temple and was going away, his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. Then he asked them, You see all these? Do you not? Truly I tell you, not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, "Tell us, when will this be, and what will be the end? What will be the sign of your coming, and the end of the age?" Now we're told that Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives. It's one of the reasons why this particular speech from Jesus is sometimes called the Olivet discourse, or maybe if it's a French pronunciation, the Olivet discourse. And he's asked two questions. The first question, or maybe you might say he is asked one question with two parts. When will this be, they ask in verse three. And they're talking about Jesus' reference to no stone being left, all being thrown down. So they're asking, when will this happen? And then the second question is, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Tell us, when will you be returning? What will be the signs to let us know? And so based on this question that is asked, so these two questions asked in Matthew 24 verse 3, what follows in chapter 24 and chapter 25 is a response to this. I want to share with you that the verses that follow in Matthew 24 have been the subject of some controversy, simply because people have viewed it as prophecies about end times things are still to come. Read in its context, though, Jesus actually was talking about something that already happened, which was the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in the year 70 AD. And so he really answers the first question, the no stone being left, all being thrown down. He's actually talking about the temple that we saw referred to in verse one. He says that that's going away, that's going to be destroyed. And maybe that has some symbolic and theological significance in terms of transition from old to new so i want to take us next later on in matthew 24 is jesus asking answering the second question when is he coming back i go to verse 36 and again this is backdrop for the matthew 25 parable that we would look at today matthew 24 verse 36 it says but about that day and hour no one knows And right there in verse 44 is the crux of the mat. He says, don't worry about that second coming. Why? It's unexpected. That's something that's reserved for God's divine knowledge. So don't be too concerned about when I'm coming back for a second time. Here's what counts. Be ready. And so... Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, especially the second half of Matthew 24, going into Matthew 25, the stories, the parables that are told are against the backdrop of being in a state of spiritual preparedness, spiritual readiness, because Jesus' return is unexpected. And many of you all may be familiar. Over the years of Christian history, of church history, we've had many people predicting Jesus coming back. You may even remember December 31st, 1999. You know, just when the the turn of the millennium and people thought January 1st, 2000, new millennium, the year 2000, the world is coming to an end. It didn't happen. And so that, 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 that tends to happen a lot. There's a concern about, okay, when is he coming back? When is he coming back? Is it this day? Jesus says, just live in a state of readiness. So as we go into Matthew 25, keep that particular context in mind. Jesus begins Matthew 25 talking about the parable of the ten bridesmaids or the ten virgins. It says in verse 1 of Matthew 25, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. And so he begins that particular parable, which many of us are familiar with. And how does it end? Verse 13, it says, Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. By the time he's finished with that parable, he comes back to the central point. Be awake, be alert. No one knows the date of Jesus' coming back, his return. And so that parable is told with that in mind. And then we have the next one, the parable of, the talents some translations refer it as the bags of gold the talents there it's actually an an instrument of currency so it's about money and it's about investing with what god has given and it's a challenge to not be spiritually lazy to not be spiritually complacent but to use what god has given and so the end of that particular parable in verse 29 of matthew 25 it says for all for for to all those who have, more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And that was in the context of, you know, the different servants. Alright, those entrusted with five, those entrusted with two talents, using them and investing and, and producing more. And the, 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 the servant who was given one, bearing it. Jesus says, no. While you wait for his second coming, a day that we don't know, we're supposed to live spiritually ready, and we're supposed to live in a way that we are using the resources God has given us. So it may be talents in the sense of gifts, spiritual gifts. It may be, as was used here, financial resources, economic resources. But the thinking is, you don't just live your life just kind of coasting. Jesus says, no, use what you've been given by God for kingdom purposes. And immediately after that, we have the sheep and the goats. Verse 31 of Matthew 25, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate one. He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will come to those at his right hand. Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. To one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. It's very convicting. It's instructive to see what would be one of the criterion or one of the criteria or a criterion that Jesus would use to determine the separation on what appears from this passage to be the judgment day. So again, we haven't been told what day it is. What we've been told in the passages leading up to this is be ready. We don't know the day. This particular Uh, story of the sheep and the goats appears to be set on the judgment day itself. And Jesus says, here's one of the measures that would be used to determine which part of eternity, because he speaks about eternal life or eternal fire, eternal punishment. And remember, he even spoke here, not for the first time, when he spoke about the sheep on his right, he says, inherit the kingdom. One of, really, the the underlying theme of Jesus' teaching and preaching ministry is inheriting the kingdom. So he has the long view in mind, which we we often need uh, because we get very caught up with the here and now. But he has the long view in mind. And the thing that Jesus says in this particular story that is going to separate sheep from goats, separate those who go to eternal life and those who don't, is whether we lived with compassion. Now, here, immediately he talks about caring for those in the immediate community of his apprentices, his students, his believers. We would see from other teachings of Jesus that living with compassion is not restricted to the community of believers, but it extends beyond. So I think it it first and foremost is a heart issue. Are we going to live with compassion? Do we, do we turn a blind eye to the needs around us? Or do we live with care? What's also beautiful about this is the fact that they were honoring Jesus and they did not know it. And I think sometimes that's the best way to live when you are doing something incredible you're doing something good and you don't even realize i think it purifies our motives and doesn't this remind us a bit of the sermon on the mount where jesus says do your acts of righteousness where only god can see yeah so the the whole idea of 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 taking care of others visiting those in prison putting clothes on the back of those who um who who don't have clothes feeding the hungry giving the thirsty something uh, to drink, taking care of, of tangible physical needs. When we do that, thinking only about God seeing us, we may end up honoring Jesus in ways that we don't even realize. And I think that's the beauty of this particular story. And then on the flip side, those who were ignorant of, or maybe not so much ignorant, but apathetic, they were indifferent all right, to the needs around it. Just, didn't live a life connecting with a life of compassion and a heart that really was in tune with what's going on around. He says you are the ones who would be condemned he says the eternal punishment. It's it's a strong message but Jesus really lived a life of, of, of love and so the poor, the needy, the impoverished, those subject to injustice He has a big heart for them. And he says, I'm going to measure, yeah, our lives. And this is one of the yardsticks that I would use. What's interesting as we move to what comes immediately after, so I've shared with you what came before the sheep and the goats. I'm now sharing with you what comes after. And this really takes us to an even more, a direct reflection on the communion matthew 26 and verse 1 says when jesus had finished saying all these things he said to his disciples you know that after two days the passover is coming and the son of man will be handed over to be crucified so once again possibly for the fourth time in matthew's gospel he's predicting his crucifixion now this is coming right after the sheep and the goats Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and they conspired to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him but they said not during the festival or there may be a riot among the people. Now while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. John's Gospel suggests that this is actually Mary and the sister of Martha and Lazarus, verse 8. But when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, Why this waste? For this ointment could have been sold for a large sum and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. By pouring this ointment on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. And, you know, my reflection today on the communion, really the centers on this word, remember. Matthew seems to have arranged his stories thematically notice that this mention of Jesus saying you will always have the poor comes just a couple verses after all right the sheep and the goats Um, is this intentional by Matthew as he was led by the Spirit it's quite possible that he's connecting sheep and the goats living with compassion and now he comes and talks about the poor he's talking about Jesus's preparation all right for his crucifixion the amazing thing about verse 13 is that jesus says what she did in remembering me and honoring me will be told in remembrance of her you know when we think about the communion it is usually and jesus himself commanded it do this in remembrance of me but jesus himself is now saying what she did will be told in remembrance of her the idea of remembering so so powerful as we reflect on jesus as we prepare to celebrate together and remember his death burial and resurrection remember now i'm very inspired by the fact that jesus says i will remember her and so as he remembers us we must remember him and be inspired by the fact that the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, they're very attuned to our acts of devotion and our acts of, of worship. And we remembered, we're remembered in the heavenly realms when we give priority to God and kingdom affairs. And so Jesus says, what she did, she honored me. She gave of her best, this expensive oil And she's inadvertently preparing me for burial. She doesn't probably even realize what she's doing. (laughs) Similar again to the story of the sheep and the goats, where those who were taking care of the poor and needy were serving Jesus and they did not even know it. Yeah? And so Jesus says she is going to be remembered. And I encourage us, remember him as he remembers us. Remember, we don't know the day when Jesus is returning. And as a result of that, we must remember to live daily in a state of spiritual readiness. We must remember to use the resources God has given us for kingdom purposes and to honor Him. No spiritual laziness, no spiritual complacency. We must remember to live each and every day as if it were our last because his return is going to be sudden. We must remember to live with compassion. As we live with compassion, we end up serving Jesus in ways we don't even realize. We must remember to honor Jesus with our very, very best. Let us remember him as he remembers us. Let's pray at this time as we share communion together. Our Father, give us hearts that remember you. Give us a spiritual perspective on life, even as we take care of day-to-day affairs and activities. Help us to always do so in your presence. Help us to remember Jesus, not only now, as we reflect with gratitude on his death, burial, and resurrection, but help us to remember him day by day, to walk with him, walking in his steps, being shaped and transformed into his character, his likeness, and his image, so that we can reflect the love of Jesus in this world. We pray in his name. Amen.